Wanna go sledding? Ooh. Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and today we are talking about Avatar, The Last Airbender, Season 1, or Book 1, Water. Now, some quick background to this episode in general. I have been spending a long time, pretty much since the show's inception, trying to figure out how I was going to do series, because I I, I was having trouble wrapping my mind around, you know, if I were to do a, the entire series, it would just go on into infinity and be like a five to ten hour episode, and that just would not be good. Uh, plus, no one wants to hear me ramble on that long. But anyway, uh, with animated series at least, it seems that doing at least a season at a time will work out pretty good. I won't be going over the entirety of like the, se the season like episode by episode. I am going to kind of make it a bit of a um, arc situation. So, for example, we are looking at the 20 episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender, and I've kind of broken it up into specific topics I want to talk about, as well as specific uh, major story beats. The major story beats for this season, I feel, are episodes 1 through 3, Episodes 7 and 8, special mention to episode 12, and then episodes 17 to 20. Those, I feel, kind of make up the major story beats of the season. Everything else is kind of filler. <laughs> and I, I will talk about some of them, like, in passing, but we'll leave that out. Some other things I want to talk about are, like, relationships, um, the sense of place, as well as just a little touch of weird CGI bits, because those are those are fun to talk about. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, uh, let's get started. Uh, so we begin with episodes one through three. So episodes one through three are The Boy in the Iceberg, The Avatar Returns, and The Southern Air Temple. Now, the first two episodes of th these three are actually tied together as a two-parter, technically, as they kind of bleed directly into each other. But I do also feel that the third episode, The Southern Air Temple, belongs as part of these things, as it's the beginning of their journey, and it is also... It kind of shows what Aang has missed. Uh... But yes, yeah, so let's go through each of them real quick. So, The Boy in the Iceberg is just the basic beginning of the series, really. Uh, it's very lighthearted in comparison to some of the later episodes, especially, like, say, The Southern Air Temple, where it's, it's very sad and quite dark at times. Uh, but the, the Boy in the Iceberg, it's, you know, Katara and Sokka find... Aang, trapped in ice, free him, and find out, well, he's an airbender, probably, as the title of the show says, the last one. And, you know, they, they just kind of go on some, some some mild shenanigans, and at the end of the episode, we kind of learn that he's he's been missing for over a hundred years, very likely, and things just aren't aren't good. 
There are also some weird, uh, I, weird episode, uh, weird commercial break bits, uh, sprinkled throughout the first episode, at, at the very least near the end of the episode, where in one scene, after he learns that he's been missing for a hundred years, it cuts, like, the, you know, they're getting ready to leave, it cuts and fades away, and then they're just exploring the ship still, because, oh, you know, the thing that we foreshadowed hasn't played out yet, we gotta get that going. <laughs> so, there we go. Because the ship is booby-trapped, and it sends out a signal flare that signals a very conveniently nearby Prince Zuko, who then follows the flare. Well, that's actually the second time that he gets signaled in the episode, funnily enough. He gets signaled initially when the Avatar is released from the ice. Then he is signaled again with the flare. Which which I find to be kind of funny that he he technically needed two signalings to be able to actually properly zone in. Uh, but that's kind of where the episode there ends. And then the second one opens with... Um, them returning to the southern, like, the the village. And he he explains, like, it was an accident and whatnot, but he's booted out anyway by Sokka, because Sokka in the first few episodes is just a complete dick. Like, pretty much up to episode four, and then still sprinkled throughout a few episodes uh th- Later on, Sokka's just a dick the entire time. Uh, but in in that, it, it's revealed that Aang is actually the Avatar. You know, people are expecting this extremely old man, but he's just a 12-year-old kid. And, yeah, Zuko attacks the Southern Water Tribe. And to protect them, Aang turns himself over, and then, you know, they escape and begin their journey. You know, a nice quick wrap-up to the episode is, because he almost immediately escapes. Uh, And then the third episode, the Southern Air Temple, they are properly beginning their journey, but Aang needs to check the Southern Air Temple where he grew up to, you know, just make sure, to see that things, you know, see what's happened. And... It turns out, yeah, everyone's dead, especially his former teacher and, like, guardian. And he he goes into a fit, essentially, slipping straight into the the Avatar state and just, which ends up sending a signal across the world that the Avatar has returned. Which is funny, since the previous episode was called The Avatar Returns, but the signal to the entire world isn't sent until the third episode. But I, I think that it's a really powerful episode, the third one. And that's why I kind of included it as part of a major story beat, because it's a really important story beat. Less so are the next two episodes. Like I said, I'm going to just kind of float over the next three, actually. As they aren't... they. They're just kind of there to kind of show the state of the world and give a little bit of extra backstory to the um, the avatars in general. Because episode four is the Ki- Warriors of Kyoshi, where we learn a little bit about Avatar Kyoshi, but not really uh, anything. 
important. It's just basically Aang likes the the attention that he's getting. Then the king of Omashu uh, shows that one of Aang's friends is still alive, surprisingly, and he has somehow become the king of Omashu. Uh, but it also shows that, you know, things are changing, like the world's getting a bit you know, more closed off. Then episode six is imprisoned, in which basically the Fire Nation has taken all of the vendors out of this or, uh, this village, and save for one who's been hiding his bending ability, but Katara kind of gets him to use his bending to save an old man, but the old man turns, you know, turns against them and reports him. Uh, and they have to go save him. That I will say that that's a really good episode, but it it just doesn't add much to anything. <laughs> to be fair, uh, but we will uh, come back to it a little bit later. Uh, now we get into the next set of story beat episodes of seven and eight, which is Winter Solstice Part One and Winter Solstice Part Two, The Spirit World and Avatar Roku. Winter Solstice Part 1 starts off pretty benign, really. It starts off as kind of like a, a monster or situation of the week episode in which the gang goes and talks to this village. They, they kind of, they see this massive burn scar going along and they land and a villager comes and says, we need your help. You know, our, our town is being plagued by a spirit. So they go to the town and, you know, see what's happening. And, indeed, a spirit that is Godzilla-esque. I believe that the episode... I, I remember watching the commentary. I believe they were directly inspired by Godzilla for this episode. Um, but they... He, he tries his best, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, he's just getting used to Avatar duties and whatnot. But he's completely clueless as to what he should be doing. And he goes... And he, he he tries to talk to the spirit, completely fails. Sokka ends up getting kidnapped, and Aang chases after him. And then Aang just accidentally slips into the spirit world, except for it's a different spirit world than what's shown later, and pretty much from that point on, it, it's weird. But basically his spirit gets separated, and he's having a whole lot of trouble learning what the issue is. But after getting taken on a journey by um, Roku's spirit animal guide, animal spirit guide, a dragon, a dragon is pretty much trying to say, "Hey, there's you need to do something. Uh, you need to talk to Roku," uh, and shows him where to go and like gives him vague visions as to why he needs to go, but isn't able to give him the actual answers, which. After returning back to um, his body and normal reality, I guess, he is able to kind of solve the issue with the spirit, and everyone who was taken by the spirit is returned. You know, a nice little happy ending bow. Basically, the spirit of the forest was upset because the forest got burned down, and Aang was able to show the spirit hope that the forest would return eventually. So there's that. In Winter Solstice Part 2, Avatar Roku, they immediately follow on from there. They have to book it to the temple 
that is in the Fire Nation uh, as fast as they can because the Winter Solstice is that night. Well, I guess technically from when they set off the next night. But they book it as fast as they can, get to the temple, and then the sense of time and urgency kind of is lost for the rest of the episode as they they have to, one, they land at the bottom of the temple and have to walk up this massive staircase and then from there they're just, like, things that would probably take like an hour to do seems to happen almost instantaneously. It's, it's a bit weird. But, <laughs> moving that aside, uh, it turns out that the sages who are supposed to be loyal to the Avatar alone and like not their nation necessarily uh turns out after the war began the sages were forced to you know swear loyalty to the fire lord and so all except for one uh, do so he betrays his other sages as he believes that they should stay loyal to the avatar regardless and help him in his time of need so he takes them up to Avatar Roku's chambers, but there's an issue with the door. They're able to trick the uh, sages into opening the door. And after, again, another bit of a scuffle, they're able to, he's able to get in and talk to Avatar Roku, which gives you, us kind of why this is a major story beat, besides, you know, again, giving us a bit more of the past of the Avatars. It gives us the overall goal for the series it takes eight episodes but we get the overall goal of the series which is ang needs to learn the three other elements because he's a he's gotten air down but he needs water earth and fire before the end of next summer so that he can defeat the fire lord before sozin's comet flies through the air giving the firebenders a massive boost in power which they are likely to try to use to end the war and so now we're given the thing because it's supposed to take many years of training to learn all the other elements but now he has about six months to do it give or take i think it's technically a little bit more than that but he, he has a very short amount of time to learn all of them. But he does seem to be fairly naturally talented in bending, so it seems to be not too much of a problem. Which then leads us into the next short break in episodes, in which... Well, uh, sorry, first, that, that episode you know ends with a pretty fun action sequence of uh, Roku assisting Aang by destroying the temple uh, and fighting off the fire the fire sages and the like army that appeared to capture Aang uh, but anyway on to the next set of episodes that kind of It, it, so the next two episodes are, sorry, three episodes, are relatively nothing episodes. There's the waterbending scroll, which does kind of lead on, you know, from the previous episode in which Aang is now kind of putting a bit more emphasis on learning. 
Uh, but Katara doesn't like how fast he's able to learn because things that took her months or years to learn, he is mastering in minutes and she is not happy with that. So when they come across a group of pirates that are selling a waterbending scroll, she nicks it uh, and is trying to pretty much hoard it for herself. And she gets super frustrated, like lashes out at Aang and everything. Then she tries to sneak off to learn it, gets them caught by the pirates. There's a scuffle. And, you know, it's pretty much, oh, we learned a lesson by the end. And I just wasn't a big fan. I'm also not a big fan of the next episode, (laughs) Jet, because I just really don't like the character of Jet. Or the fact that everyone is pretty much okay with joining a vigilante group that they just fucking met (laughs) they they meet jet and his group of well they're supposed to pretty much be like robin hood but it's also it's a mix between robin hood and the lost boys from from uh peter pan it's like a weird situation like that uh but basically this person that they just met, Katara, pretty much falls in love with him instantly. And again, we'll talk about that later. Um, and they're with them for like three days and have this massive sense of betrayal when they learn that this person that they just met might be a bit unhinged. As he's willing to destroy an Earth Kingdom village just because there are Fire Nation people in it. Even though most of the people there are civilians. So, yeah, I mean, the entire village is able to, you know, escape, and Jet is left frozen to a tree, and, you know, then they move on. The only reason that it has some slight redemption is that he has a better character arc in the next season, because what I was looking at, because I do want to talk about my favorite episode of the season and my least favorite episode of the season, And the problem is, most of these episodes have a redeeming feature in them. Uh, In this case, you know, it gives Sokka some actual, like, ground to stand on. Like, he's actually the one in the right for once. Um, And, except for, you know, there's some other issues (laughs) in its messaging, but... You know, he, he he actually gets to have the I was right moment for once in this season. And that, that's kind of nice. And then... And then again, Jet, later on in the series, does have a better-ish character arc and whatnot. But we'll get to that in season two. Down the line. Way down the line. <laughs> uh, then, episode 11, The Great Divide... This is a very nothing episode. Its only redeeming factor is... Well, it has two redeeming factors, technically. It has the um, the earthbending guide. He is fun. I like him. Uh, as he kind of... He, he very early on gets incapacitated. Like, his arms are broken and he can't bend to help keep people safe or navigate the uh, cavern. And 
he he just gets super paranoid, especially at the very end when the uh, canyon crawlers come back. And then at the very end, he's just like, "Nope, I'm I'm going with you guys. I'm done. I don't want to stay here anymore." <laughs> so that, that's fun. And the second one is that Aang makes up a story to get these people to shut up and stop fighting each other. Because the entire thing is that there's this really posh, like, stuck-up village of people who have been ousted, and this kind of gruff, dirty village of people, and they've been rivals for, like, a hundred years because, you know, one of their guys was trying to perform a sacred ritual, and it was interrupted by the other uh, group's guy. And it, it just gets, it just becomes a bit of a mess, and it's annoying, it turns out both of them are the cause of the issue because they don't trust each other. So Aang just comes up with a story saying, oh, it was all a misunderstanding this entire time. It wasn't a sacred ritual. It was a game that they were playing. And one of them pretty much walked out of bounds and was, you know, put in time out for a bit. <laughs> Again, it's clever and fun, but... Uh... <laughs> but yeah... Anyhow, now we go into the special mention one. It's it's kind of a bottle episode where nothing really happens, but it's important because it properly explores the backstory of Aang and Zuko, kind of you know side to, side by side. So it tells how Aang had run away from his responsibilities, and the reason he got frozen in the ice is because him and Oppo were downed in the ocean during a storm and he was forced into the avatar state and ended up freezing himself and preserved himself for over a hundred years, funnily enough. And Zuko, it's that he, he was brought in by his uncle to a military meeting. His uncle warned him to, you know, keep his opinions to himself because these older guys don't like to be challenged. They don't want their opinions challenged, so just zip it. And Zuko, when learning that one of the general's plans is to just throw a group of fresh-faced recruits at the enemy in, as a distraction, almost certainly leading to that group's complete destruction, he speaks up and is forced into an Agni Kai. He is expecting to be fighting the general that he had offended, but because it was in his father's war room, he has to fight his father. He refuses to fight his father because, you know, it's his it's his dad, he doesn't he doesn't want to. And so he he gets burned and then exiled because he wasn't willing to fight his father. You know, classic uh family drama always a always a good time <laughs> then you know the the overarching plot of the episode is just this fisherman is bad mouthing ang for having disappeared for a hundred years and whatnot it, it's not all that important uh and that's kind of why i i left it as a bit of a special mention instead of giving it you know important plus it's not tied to any other episodes around it uh from there we go on to some some more kind of 
boringish episodes that go that are the, the tied together but not quite tied together. So there's the blue spirit in which uh, Sokka and Katara get sick uh, after the storm, and Aang has to go find some frozen frogs to cure them. Uh, he ends up getting captured by now newly promoted Admiral Zhao. Uh, and a blue spirit comes and saves him, and the blue spirit is immediately uh, revealed to be Zuko. Uh, so, he then gets the frozen frogs and cures uh, cures his friends, and that's the end of the episode. Uh, the fortune teller, which again I'll talk about a little bit later, uh, they go to this village because they need to re-up supplies. Uh, that has... Well, they, they come across this man who's being attacked by a platypus bear, and he is very nonchalant about it, and it's because a fortune teller told him that he would have a safe journey, and he wholeheartedly believed her. Uh, they go to visit this village, and... They meet this fortune teller. She tells... Uh, pretty much, Katara gets super into the fortune telling. And, like, a little too into the fortune telling. To where she's like, what should I eat? What should I wear? This, that, and the other. Just trying to have the fortune teller dictate her future entirely. Uh, and Aang is told that he's going to be in a dangerous situation and whatnot. Pretty much things that we already knew. But he he wants to know about his relationships. Like if is is he gonna date someone, essentially, and she makes it up and they also find out that this town, which is situated at the bottom of at the foot of a volcano, used to go up to the mountain and check to see if it would erupt. And now they don't because this fortune teller will tell them whether or not it will explode. Uh, Aang and Sokka end up going up the volcano because Aang is trying to get a flower for Katara. And it's shown that, oh, it's it's about to blow. So they then go back down, try to convince the villagers they won't believe them. So they make up a... They take her book... Find the symbol in the clouds that's supposed to tell of, like, destruction. And they make the symbol and have her look at it. Then they save the town by creating a trench and then Aang uh, does some bending and whatnot and and saves the village. Uh, and that, that's pretty much it. Then the next episode is Bato of the Water Tribe. It's... It's a fine episode. It's kind of nice because we get to see a bit more of like the Southern Water Tribe culture uh, as they find a family friend, a friend of their father's, who is has been left behind by the other um, Southern Water Tribe members because he was injured. And he's waiting for a signal from their dad to find the rendezvous point. Some shenanigans happen. Aang gets super jealous. Keeps the map from them. And then 
it's pretty much a immediately like flip flip situation where they flip from one thing to the next uh and then the episode just kind of ends like you know ends with um them in a perfume nunnery where Bato was staying fighting off Zuko a bounty hunter uh and then Uncle Iroh's just kind of there <laughs> but yeah so after that it it just kind of and they go with him and uh, accept his apology because they understand that he just didn't want to lose them and whatnot even though it, again it was still super selfish and kind of so, sort of out of character for him and then we go to the last one of these kind of interim ones, the deserter. This one is kind of important, but it also just doesn't really come up for a long time, like the ramifications of it. So they go into a Fire Nation town, find out uh, they accidentally make themselves way too publicly known, and they they try to escape following a guy that they just met who turns out to be Fire Nation, but he deserted the army. And he's taking, he wants to take them to, what, what's his name? I can't remember his name. <laughs> but he, he is also another deserter, and so Aang feels that he could be a firebending teacher, but Aang is super impatient and whatnot, and ends up hurting Katara. Uh, Katara here learns that she has kind of an innate ability to heal using waterbending, which is cool. And so, all is forgiven, and then they leave. Uh, the fire, the teacher vanishes, and, you know, not much happens. Again, the ramifications of this episode aren't really... You, you learn a bit about, like, Admiral Zhao, but other than that, the ramifications aren't present for a long time and technically the next episode even though i added it into the the thing its ramifications also aren't for a while but it still you know is part of the core because on their way to the north pole episode 17 on their way to the north pole they come across the northern air temple and there's been rumors around this temple that there are still airbenders there so they decide to go visit and it turns out, no, it's just it's just people using the gliders and technology and whatnot to fly themselves. It, they are not airbenders. And Aang is super, you know, distressed about how this temple's being pretty much destroyed. And he, he's not happy about it. But, you know, he eventually warms slightly to them until he learns... That they are, one of them, the their leader, is manufacturing weapons for the Fire Nation. So, he then assists them in taking down the Fire Nation and getting them away from this temple. And the, the reason I kind of tied it in is because it, it's what I feel is the beginning of a ramp up in... One, the technology of this universe. It just starts going up from here. Uh, as well as 
the increase of conflict. Like, before this, there was a lot of minor skirmishes. But this, there's an, an all-out battle to protect the Northern Air Temple and fight off an army of... Okay. <laughs> and fight off an army of Fire Nation. So, so, that's why I kind of include it. Then we get to episode 18, where they finally make it to the North Pole, or the Northern Water Tribe, and it, this is kind of a fairly light episode. Basically, it's just, he, Aang wants to be taught by this person, and wants Katara to join him in t learning, but the North has a massive... Like, women are forbidden from learning waterbending, save for in healing purposes. So she's sent to a healing class because she doesn't want Aang to quit just because of her. But after she gets, she gets the idea that, oh, you know, Aang could teach her what he learns. But they're caught by him, and he then drops Aang as a teacher, or as a student... <laughs> And so Katara fights him. And <laughs> it kind of has a Batman v Superman situation where he is dead set in his ways and his beliefs of, you know, tradition and whatnot until one massive coincidence happens in which, where in Batman v Superman, uh, both of their mothers are named Martha. In this, it turns out that Katara's grand-grand was betrothed to him. Uh, and he genuinely loved her, but she didn't. So she fled to the Southern Water Tribe because she wasn't going to let their traditions hold her down. <laughs> and thus, uh, he is willing to relent and train Katara. But I, I did find that kind of funny it wasn't that she was able to literally hold her own against him it's that oh you're the woman i loved granddaughter cool <laughs> which it's which is a bit silly uh, then we go on to the two-parter finale of the siege of the north part one and the siege of the north part two uh in which admirals uh Admiral Zhao is now moving in on the north and begins his siege. Uh, they have to keep stopping at night because the waterbenders gain power at night. But he has he has a, a trick up his sleeve. I'm, I am gonna, just going to describe these episodes together because the first one's mostly the f initial defense, and then the second one is their attack. Um, but Eng trying to figure out how to fight them, he is finding it very difficult to take on this massive uh, fleet. There we go. <laughs> this massive fleet of uh, Fire Navy ships. He is able to take down like 12 of them, but there's just too many for him to take on alone. So he is given the idea to talk to the moon spirits moon and ocean spirits to see if they can assist so he goes to go to the spirit realm to talk to them uh 
But whoopsies, uh, he gets stuck because uh, Zuko sneaks into the uh, Northern Water Tribe and uh, takes him after a fight with Katara. Uh, and then Admiral Zhao is somehow able to get by all of the waterbenders unseen uh, and is able to take one of the spirits, which turns out to be the koi in the pond, uh, and hold them hostage. And then he kills it. Uh, which I, I believe is the spark of... It's not the full spark, but it is a partial spark of um, General Iroh's kind of want to defect and just leave. Uh, it's not the start, but it's definitely kind of the final nail in the coffin situation, you know? Where he's just like, you're willing to kill a spirit you don't deserve, you know, you don't, I'm not going to be here, kind of thing. Because he's become very spir spiritual and whatnot, since the death of his son, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, that is... That is the basic overarching plot. Overall, again, I like most of the episodes, and especially do like the Siege of the North Part 2. That is my favorite episode, because it has this really touching ending where the princess has to sacrifice herself, uh, return the borrowed life that the spirit had given her when she was born. You know, it's a very touching uh, sentiment. Uh, but my least favorite episode, as you might have guessed, is A Waterbending Scroll. Because it is the only episode that I don't find a real redeeming feature in. At all, really. <laughs> because it just kind of generally sucks. I don't know, because Katara becomes super irate, and then on a flip of a coin, she just is fine. The, the characters are just a bit everywhere. It just kind of annoys me. It's just, uh. <laughs> but, yeah, I do like The Siege of the North Part 2 more than Part 1, because Part 2 is a lot more battle, a lot more action. And then there's the whole, the ocean spirit, in seeking revenge for the loss of its partner, teams up with Aang to pretty much devastate the Fire Nation army and push them back, which I think is really cool. Uh, and then once the spirit sees that the moon is back, where it's supposed to be and the fish is alive, it recedes, but not before taking Admiral Zhao out with him. Like, it's like, I'm going back to where I was, but I'm going to kill this particular guy first. <laughs> Which I did enjoy. Okay, so now that we've gotten the plot out and whatnot, how is the season overall? I think it's pretty good. There's a lot of filler, but I, I have a feeling that coming up there's going to be a bit more filler. It some of the scenarios just kind of aren't great at times, but 
it's whatever. Uh, so now let's get into some of the additional topics. So I want to start with the sense of place. The show starts off really well with a sense of place, as you kind of can feel the direction that you could almost feel like you could point at where they are on the map kind of thing. But shortly after that, I, I'm pretty sure that pretty much... Uh, around the time that they hit episode 7, 7 and 8, is where they start losing that sense of place. When they have to beeline it to the Fire Nation to go to the Crescent Island and whatnot, you pretty much lose the sense of place. Because then from there, they're somewhere in an Earth Kingdom village. And then they're still somewhere, like, for most of the time they're in, like, the Earth Kingdom. And then it feels like they're in a Fire Nation. Yeah, they're in a Fire Nation town, which I don't know where it is. You just lose where they are completely until... Uh, episode 17 where you're like okay now they're at the northern air temple <laughs> it's like uh, where are they and i think that pretty much after this they almost completely lose it again because then they're just kind of hopping everywhere to random locations to do random things for a lot of the second season i'm pretty sure but we'll get to that whenever we get to the second season a while from now because I, I need a bit of a break <laughs> Um, especially since the Netflix does a weird thing with the later seasons where they like, like, oh, this is a multi-parter smash. The episodes are now together. <laughs> it's just one big episode now. Uh, but yeah, so it, it loses a bit of its sense of place because like, as the show's kind of beginning, you're like, okay, you, you can kind of feel that it's wintry and whatnot. You know, there's snow and you can feel them moving further north. Um, as like the snow starts to melt and whatnot, but then it, it just gets confused, confusing as to where they where they are weather wise or season wise. You know that around the winter solstice it's winter, <laughs> but I don't know because a lot of the places that they go tend to be just kind of tropical <laughs> or semi tropical, I guess you could say. Um. And before we get into the relationships, I, let, let's go ahead and just get the weird CGI bits out of the way. They are very few and far between in this series. The only CGI things that tend to work really well are like the war machines, like the tanks that come in um, in episode 17. Those work beautifully. They, they're nice. They're fun. The one that doesn't work, which I think is around episode 7, I think, is the Aang kite, where where Aang, I believe, is chasing after Sokka, who's been taken by the, the spirit, and it just cuts to a shot of Aang going through the woods, and it's just a, a really obvious CGI model, just like, swooping side to side, and it's... It's just very awkward and out of place, especially since it then cuts back to normal animation. And then it happens, like I think, one more time uh, later on, and it's, it's very glaring and weird, especially when they show it up close. It's, it's very weird. 
But <laughs> that aside, uh, it, that's that's it for the weird CGI bits. It's it's just that they pop out out of nowhere for some reason. Maybe they were you know crunched for time, or they just really didn't want to animate that bit. I don't know. It's it's very weird. Okay, on to the last kind of section before we once again go over the overall stuff. The relationships. So, there's Katara and Aang, Katara and others, uh, in which we discuss Jet, the Earth Kingdom bender from episode 4, I think it is. 4, 5? Five, 5? Five. 5. Um, and then we'll also discuss more of the fortune teller there. Then there's Sokka and Suki. Saka and Yue, and technically um, Paku, who's the northern water tribe waterbending master, uh, and Gran Gran. <laughs> but uh, let's start with Katara and others, because those are the ones that we kind of get a little bit of. So it starts off with the Earth Kingdom Bender. She doesn't really have much of, like, a relationship with him. Though, she does seem interested. And is willing to do a lot for this guy that she just met. Like, she gets herself imprisoned for him. To try to help inspire a revolt in the prison. Fails. Uh, Technically twice, it's kind of funny. Um, and then from there, they just kind of go their own way. So it's not, it's kind of on the scale of, like, relationship Richter. It's, like, barely anything. But then we get to Jet. Jet, she forms an almost instant crush on. And her reactions and whatnot to learning that he's willing to destroy an Earth Kingdom village is that of complete and utter betrayal so even though they've only known each other for at most a week she treats it as if they had been in a relationship for months at that point but no she just had like a mild crush on him and was should have been like okay yeah that's fair she she trusts jet over her brother because the, the weird story arc and lesson of the episode is Sokka's instincts are right sometimes, but also sometimes they're wrong. And that's it. That is the, the moral of the story. Because at the beginning of the episode, he is trying to lead them on foot. Um, suspecting that the reason that the Fire Nation is able to, you know, keep chasing them so easily is because they're flying around on a flying bison. That's kind of, you know, very obvious when you look at it. So he's like, let's walk. But he ends up walking them straight into a Fire Nation camp, in which they're then saved by Jet. And Jet says, oh, you know, that's going to get you killed if you just keep following your gut. But when Sokka joins Jet on a mission, and it turns out that they 
are just so anti uh, Fire Nation that they are willing to beat up the citizens, just like the people that live in the nation. Sokka is, you know, war- tries to warn Aang and Katara, but they aren't hearing it. And then Aang and Katara assist with the flooding of the river, because they 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 were told by Jet that the Fire Nation intends to burn down the forest, and they need the water to be able to put out the fire. But in reality, they just wanted to flood the river to over overfill the dam, burst the dam, and flood the valley to destroy the uh, Earth Kingdom town. That has been. Uh, taken over by the Fire Nation. And, yeah, it it's just that I don't know why she reacts that way. It's, it's weird. I think it's part of the, you know, 30-minute episode issue. But, yeah. Uh, then the Fortune Teller. In the Fortune Teller episode, she, her first thing that she wants to talk about with the uh, Fortune Teller is her relationships, like, who is she going to end up with? And the main thing that she gets from that is that he will be a powerful bender. And at the end of the episode, Sokka mentions that Aang is one heck of a powerful bender, which then it kind of clicks in Katara's mind, oh. Because also in that episode, Aang tries to give Katara a necklace that he made out of Sokka's fishing line. And she takes it and wears it, and she's like, oh, that's nice. And Sokka's like, oh, you know, he's, there's, you guys are so in love and whatnot. And she's like, nah, he, he's just a friend. Uh, and pretty much just starts really hammering home that, that, uh, that friend thing. And it just devastates uh, Aang for some reason and that's why Aang throughout the episode is trying to get a fortune told on, told on his thing but it's not in his cards and at the end the fortune teller states well just like you were able to do with the clouds you can change your fortune you have the power to do that I mean you're the avatar <laughs> uh, and that, that's kind of the, the main inception of the avatar Katara relationship going forward at least it's the major hint towards it you get some bits throughout beforehand and then you get a little bit after but for the most part it's kind of put to the side Uh, then you have Sokka and Suki they only get one episode this season when they visit the island of Kiyoshi and meet the Kiyoshi warriors Sokka is being a complete sexist asshole towards them. You're like, ah, girls couldn't do this and whatnot. But he ends up relenting and asking them to help him become a better warrior. And in this, uh, Sokka and Suki end up kind of getting into this kind of rivalry thing where, like, they're rivals, but they're also kind of attracted to each other kind of thing. It's cute. It ends with, like, I think a kiss on the cheek from Suki as Sokka and friends have to escape because the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> and then at the end of the season, uh, Husuki, um, because Sokka 
falls in love with the princess of the Northern Water Tribe, Yue. And as stated earlier, so theirs is a weird one. He sees her as they're going through the canals of the Water Tribe. And, you know, pretty much instantly falls in love. Then he's able to have a short conversation with her at the uh, banquet throne for the Avatar. Then he runs into her while just kind of walking around the village, or I guess town, uh, in which he kind of asks her out, and she says, yeah, meet me there. But by the time they are able to meet up again, it turns out she has been... Her marriage has been arranged already. Then Sokka learns who is to marry her. And it's this dumb asshole who just sees her as a prize to obtain. Like, because she comes with the most benefits. Is what uh, he said. And so Sokka beats the shit out of him, is put on to a different mission by her father, which is to protect her. He is put on guard duty for her, he accepts, uh, and then, as stated before, Yue is then, she, she decides to sacrifice herself to become the moon spirit and, you know, help restore balance to the moon and the ocean. Giving the borrowed life back to the fish that gave it to her. <laughs> but yeah, so... Uh, it's a really touching romance, and it's probably the only romance in the show that gets enough room to breathe. Because you have to remember that this would have been over two to three weeks, so you actually would have become a little bit more invested in, in the relationship. But yeah, it, it is... Another one of those, it kind of comes out of nowhere, but you see it work a bit more than a lot of the other relationships shown in the show. Because the, a lot of the relationships shown in the show um, just kind of just kind of are there and then move on. <laughs> uh, and also, it's, it's definitely within... You, you get a better sense that they've been in the Northern Water Tribe for... A while, like weeks to potentially even a month or so. Because it took Admiral Zhao quite a while to build up his, you know, his fleet. Uh, uh, Aang trains with Paku for a while before, you know, they're accepted into, like they accept Katara into the class. And then Katara has obviously been training for quite a while. She picks it up fast, but I'm assuming that they were at least there for a few weeks training. And since they have to leave a bit short, while Aang hasn't fully mastered waterbending, he does have a pretty good hang of it. And also, Paku kind of bestows upon Katara the status of master to then train Aang. It's a cute little thing. Uh, but yeah, so you get more of a sense of time, and so that their relationship's a, a bit more meaningful and tragic, and you feel it, which is kind of nice. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> so, once again, 
How is the series overall? It's good. At least the season. This season is really good. Um, I'll reserve judgment of other seasons and overall series um, <laughs> judgment for later. Hint, I've already seen the entire series before. I've seen it multiple times. In fact, I grew up with Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, in pieces, like, I never truly watched it in proper order. Because the way it would rerun is, like, how things get rerun nowadays. In patches. And everywhere. So you're hopping between, oh, here's Toph, and then it's, oh, it's this They Get Sick episode. Fucking great. I love that episode. Not. <laughs> anyway. With that aside, uh, I do have a little bit of an announcement before we wrap up. Do keep your eyes and ears open for Saturday, in which I will be making a bit of an announcement about what's going to be happening over the next six months. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fun little announcement that I think some people will enjoy and some people might get tired of really fast but we'll see and one of those people that gets tired of it really fast might be me but that's just the nature of the game i guess <laughs> anyway uh keep your eyes and ears open for that that'll be coming out on saturday it's just a brief little update slash um announcement and then it'll go into full effect that monday uh with what is it going to be? It's going to be Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Yeah. I'll explain problems <laughs> that I had. Because I... I'll, I'll explain it um, later in a future episode. Because <laughs> um, I had pr I had recorded an episode, but then I realized, wait a second, this episode's not going to be coming out there. It'll be coming out at a different time. So I need to switch them. So I, I just need to re-record it. <laughs> and that's that's going to be for the episode after Dungeons & Dragons. That's Strangers in Paradise. I'll explain it there. Or Strangers of Paradise. You, you, you get what I mean. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. And I will talk to you guys well, on Saturday. And then again on Monday. Goodbye.